And so living, living without the Holy Spirit is like this. And I, I mentioned it's like trying to drive a car. Anybody have a car? Who has a car? Well, a lot of us have a car. Now, I don't care how nice your car is. If you had a Mercedes, a Bugatti, a Maserati, anything, Lincoln Town Car, if you didn't have gas in it, it wouldn't get you anywhere. And I really believe many believers do not have the Holy Spirit's power in their life. If they did, I believe more things would be happening. Because the Holy Spirit is the agent on earth. He is the one that Jesus sent back, like him, to do things that are happening since he left. We lift up the name of Jesus because the Bible says if we lift up that name, all men will be drawn unto him. But basically that's it. Because Jesus did his work when he came, he lived, he died, and he resurrected. That was his job. Boom, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Now the Holy Spirit is here. And everything that has to happen has to go through him. You see, knowledge of him is essential for releasing his power in our lives. Does anybody want God's power? There are 87 names given to the Holy Spirit that reveal who he is in Scripture. The first one happened in Genesis 1-2, and the last one happened in Revelation 19-10. So it's clear that the Holy Spirit is an operation, has been an operation since the beginning of time until the end of time. I guess the, the question one should ask themselves, is he an operation in you? Ooh, got quiet, man. Everybody goes, right? And that's, that, that is the question. Is the Holy Spirit, can you honestly say that the Holy Spirit is in operation in me? And how do you know that? Because, man, when I go out there and I start doing things, things happen. Or you're, not, you're having a hard time even staying saved, refraining from sin. See, if you're having a hard time with those areas, you haven't even gotten over yourself, and it's very difficult for the Holy Spirit to move in your life because he has to first fix you. So it's very difficult for him to move, and oftentimes we don't even know if, he's, if it's God or, or Jack in the Box. You have a feeling in your heart, and you think God is moving your heart, and you realize, no, it was the pizza you ate last night. Hello, someone. Is anybody here? See, the, the, what we covered last week was God is the spirit above the waters. And it said in Genesis 1-2 that, that he was, not last week, two weeks ago, but it says that he, the earth was without form and void, darkness over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And that is his role, and that's how he operates. See, Genesis, Genesis 1-2 informs us that the Holy Spirit is a hoverer. Oh, like that. He hovers over your life, but that's what he does. He, he looks for a void, and really without a void, there is no need for the Holy Spirit. And the only reason why the Holy Spirit is here is because people live lives with a void, and only He can fill it. You could try everything. Well, what have you tried to fill that void in your life? You know, what vice has gotten to you? What habit have you done? Why? Because there's a void. And listen, it's the Holy Spirit's job to hover over the void, just like He did in Genesis chapter 1. Without the Spirit, nothing is, that is made will come to being. So, and we always look at creation, but you have to make it personal. See, without the Spirit of God, nothing in your life that is meant to be will come to being. Nothing. 
You can go get all the education you want. That is not going to make you. It'll make you smarter. It might get you a better job. And that's not bad. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God's plan for your life. If it's not created and done through the power of the Holy Spirit, then it's not God. He is there in the beginning. He moves through chaos and darkness. He hovers over the darkness of our life. And the Holy Spirit prepares the way for God to bring us out of darkness. Which leads to the second thing we talked about. He is the spirit of your father. Matthew 10, 20. Let's all go there. Again, I'm trying to review two weeks ago before I get into today's message. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And he brought that not just so that we can feel good and, and have goosebumps and, and, and fall down during service and, and feel a touch of God. That is not what God's intent was. So he, he, he understands that as a Christian, you will face opposition. Anybody going through hard times? Okay. So that's the world. So he, God understands you're going to face opposition in this world. Period. But because he, he says, look, that's why the Holy Spirit is there, and you're not going to know what to say, you're not going to know what to do, but if you're allowing God to lead you in the face of that opposition, the Spirit of your Father will give you the words to say. Because we want to figure it out. Has anybody ever wanted cuckoo for Cocoa Pops trying to figure it out? You can't figure things out sometimes. But you just have to believe God, trust God, so when you face that situation, he'll give you the things to say. Amen? Christ ordained such things. I'm talking about hard times. Those who raise your hand, hard times? Christ ordained such things in order that his followers might have an opportunity to explain their faith publicly. See, if everything was good and hunky-dory and perfect, and then you talked about Jesus, but you never had a problem. Then you go talk to people in the world that are full of problems. What, what do you have to offer them? But when you go through something, you face it, and you overcome it. And then you say, the reason I overcome it is because Christ, because I allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with me. Now people want to listen. So we have to be wise enough to take in what God has for us. Amen? See, we're going to speak into the darkness. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I can speak into the darkness of your life. In fact, right now, some of you are going through it, and the mere fact that I'm talking about this right now is speaking into your darkness. The object of this whole thing is for me to show you enough for you to understand the Holy Spirit enough so that when you're walking around and you walk into your neighbor, you walk into your buddy, and they're going through dark times, you should be able to speak into their darkness. Or do you cry along with them and have a beer? Because that's what most people do. Oh, I know I agree with you, man. Country music, beers and tears, right? See, being a Christian in an unbelieving world isn't going to win you any popularity contest, right? The Holy Spirit will stand with you. The third thing we looked at about the Holy Spirit is he was the breath, or he is the breath of life. Genesis 2 7. It's, and the Lord God formed the man out from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The phrase breath of life refers more to just simply atoms or our ability to breathe. He's not talking about that. 
If he was talking about that, then, then, then we, we would be equal to a, a monkey, a dog, because they have a breath of life. No, he's talking about the breath of life that allows you to see eternity for what it is. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we're talking about we live in a spiritual realm. Does, any, do, does anybody know that? Right? The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And we say that we read it, but I, I, I find it difficult <clears throat> when I see most believers don't really believe it. They, they don't really understand that the enemy is devising spiritual attacks specifically for your life to get you off track. So they just think everything just happening because there's life. Now, th there is life. But if God has a call for you, God has a plan for your life. Listen, my friend, the Bible said he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he could devour. That is not talking about a creditor coming and calling you on the phone. This is real business. The devil wants to kill you. It's a, and it's a spiritual dynamic. Everything is happening uh, around us. That's why when I see people hooked on drugs, it's not just the drugs. Drugs is what? Drug is really witchcraft. And when you're involved in witchcraft, that's the devil's devices. And listen, most of Colorado, all the young people are all getting loaded, and they're all involved in witchcraft because meth is rampant, heroin addiction is rampant. Why? Because the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Holy Spirit is the breath of life. Hmm? He is the animating life force that comes only from God, the breath of life. Lastly, we talked about two weeks ago, Genesis 6-3. Let's all turn there, and I'm going to get into today's lesson. He calls himself my spirit. And in Genesis 6-3, the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120. This describes the days, this verse, the evil days before the great flood, before Noah and the, the ark. And during this time, God would continually uh, want, actually it says, every thought in man's mind was continually on evil. Think about that. If you came into a place where everybody around you, all they thought was evil. That's what God said. And because of that, God said, my spirit will not contend with men forever. In fact, he actually repented that he man, made man. So what did he do? He decided to destroy everybody except one man. That was Noah. Luckily, his family were tied to him and they got covered because of him. But they were just as wicked as the rest. But because of Noah, the family was brought in. This day of evil, the great flood, and it said that God continually strives or contends with men. So God is contending with you. How many here, don't raise your hand. I could say raise your hand. But don't raise your hand on this one. This is a good question. How many here have sinned in the last month? Don't raise your hand, I said. I said, put somebody here, so not me. You just sin because you're a liar. <laughs> right? And, and, and the, the fact that, that, that it's true, everybody's blown it. Right? And God still contends with you. Right? 
He's still, he's still working with you. But he does say, I will not contend with man forever. Uh, so you have to be careful. There comes a point in time where God says, enough's enough. So he is the spirit of truth who strives men. Why? He doesn't just strive with you because, you know, just because he's bored, because he wants to get you to righteousness. He wants to make you better. But uh, there comes a point when you don't want it. I'm not saying you, I'm using you in general. There comes a point when man, people don't want it, and God will know when it's time. And when you have played with God enough, there'll be a point in time where God says, you know, you're on your own. Because I'm not going to contend with man forever. Why? Because God has a plan. See, people have this misconception that the only reason why we're here or, and God does what he does, it's for us. And that, that is so far from the truth. Everything that's happened is for him, not for us. We just are lucky enough to be a part of the plan. So we, we got to be thankful that if God decides to deal with you, begins to, to open up your eyes to what is sin, because, you know, let's be honest, before I got saved, I thought if I didn't do no cocaine or stab anybody, I was like Jesus. That's what I thought. Hey, I'm not hurting nobody no more. I'm cool. I'm like Jesus. I didn't realize what Jesus, who Jesus was. And so how, that's how most people think. Oh, well, I'm not that bad. Well, you're not that bad compared to Charles Manson, but you're pretty bad. And there comes a point in time where God, now all of a sudden, he wakes you up and begins to show you what sin is. Right? Uh, is anybody here? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, let's be honest. When I was in the world... I didn't think having a shot of tequila with lemon and, and, and salt was a big deal. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? That's just the way we grew up. That was my culture. It's like the thing to do. And then when somebody told me, that's sin, I'll get out of here. That can't be sin. That's just one example. I didn't know that I couldn't do certain things. They go, that's sin. That's sin? What is sin? I had no idea what was sin. Ah, but when God begins to open your eyes to what sin is, now he's contending with you. So once he began to give me an understanding, you can't do these things. This is not good for you. And he don't just do it because he wants to blow your party and take away your high. No, no, no. He's doing it because he knows this will lead to destruction. This will hurt your body physically, emotionally, right? It'll hurt you and spiritually. So he takes the whole thing and he begins to show you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And then in the beginning, it's like, man, I can't do nothing no more. Well, you're right because everything I was doing was sin. Hurting myself. So now he's contending with me. Thank, prayerfully or thankfully, the mercy of God allowed me to receive his rebukes and corrections to get me along the way. Unfortunately, I realized after 33 years of ministry that most people didn't grab a hold of that mercy. They chose the sin over the call. They, they chose their way over God's way. And there comes a point where God will not always contend with you. That, now that is up to each individual. Amen? So the warning is clear. God's spirit will not strive with man forever. And we do not know, what we do know rather, is that those who reject God's mercy will face wrath. And there'll be a point in time, again, this is it. This is the last straw. This is the last place. I, I'm dealing with you. I've been dealing with you a year. Come on. You were raised in church. You know better. There, and everybody's different. But there will come a point for those who reject God's mercy, you'll have to face his wrath. 
Now, prayerfully, there'll be nobody in here. Amen? Ooh, God bless one of you. I'll be saying again, thank God that that'll be nobody here facing God's wrath. Amen? Amen. That's, that's a little better. Hey, man, you had me worried for your... Uh... Now, let's pick up right here where we left off. Genesis 41, 38. So Pharaoh asked them, can anyone like this man, one whom is the spirit of God, can we find, let me say again, so Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Here, Pharaoh spoke beyond his own wisdom. It was a pagan ruler. He knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. Yet he recognized something different by a young man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was, was sold into slavery by his brothers. He went into Potiphar's house. He was a great servant for Potiphar. He was so good that Potiphar's wife wanted to take him to bed, and he didn't want to go. He rejected her, her, her temptations. And because he rejected her, she accused him of raping her. He didn't do it. They threw him in prison. He's in prison. And here is Pharaoh is talking about this man. Yet he recognized something different in Joseph's life. Despite everything else, there was something about him. When one follows God wholeheartedly, you'll know it. Let me say it again. You will know when somebody is following God wholeheartedly. Everyone will know it. Your neighbor will know it. They'll know it. And you won't have to even say a word, but they'll know something is different about you. So, and all these things I'm talking about, you have to ask yourself, are you any different today after you've met God than you were before you met God? And if so, do people know it? See, when you're following God and you know God, on top of all that, God will bless you and your family. I'm reminded a very similar spirit, a very similar, similar character is Caleb. And I like Caleb because he was an older guy. He was 80 years old when he was, when he was told, uh, when, when he had to do something for the Lord. He was one of those spies. Initially, Caleb went out to spy the land. And he came back, and they write of him in Numbers 14, 24, it says, but my servant Caleb, he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land to which he went, and his descendants shall possess him. There is that phrase again, a different spirit. There's something different about him. We don't know what it is, but there's just something different. He, he comes to church, he looks like this guy, he looks like that guy, but there's something different about him. That's what it was. It was that it, if you will. Pharaoh felt that same type of power in Joseph. He felt the power that gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. And that we're going to rest here a little bit. Perhaps Pharaoh thought that Joseph was following one of the many gods, because Egypt had hundreds of gods. They worship all around Egypt. But what is clear, we know this, he did not know that he felt the work of the Holy Spirit because Pharaoh had no understanding of who the Holy Spirit was. But he knew this guy knows more than all my people. What is about this guy? 
He saw two attributes in Joseph that couldn't be explained through natural means. First, and both these came from the Spirit of God, and that's what we're talking about, the Spirit of God. He had the wisdom of man himself. He was not just a dummy. He was a smart guy. And here's where I'm going to push a little education. In Acts 7.22, it tells that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of of the Egyptians. The astrology, the stars, the sciences, physics, mathematics. I mean, it took a smart people to build a pyramid. If you look at these pyramids, I don't know if we could even do it nowadays. But somehow, back then, they had the intelligence to do great things. The Apostle Paul, he read all the classic literatures of the day. And I, wanna, I, I, I don't want to get too deep and get too off, but sometimes we don't understand that Paul quoted from secular writers, poets, historians, philosophers, in all of his letters in the Bibles. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, he quoted from the Greek poet Menander. In Acts 17.27 and 28, he quoted from Aratus and Clethus. In Titus, he quoted from all these great scholars. These were academic scholars, and Paul would take these in and quote why, because he was trying to win over people who studied these people. So he brought these quotes, and he was a very smart man. Right? See, this type of wisdom is often the precursor to what many scholars call God's special blessings. Right? Because some people have this notion that, and it can happen, but it doesn't happen very often, that you could be, and I'm trying to say this rhetorically. I don't want to offend nobody. You can, some people think that you can be dumb as mud, and God will just fill your brain with all the knowledge, and you'll be able to do everything. I mean, he could do that, but he doesn't often do that. In fact, I've never read of anybody dumb as mud being used by God. You have to have some kind of smarts. The smartest men in Scripture, again, were Moses and Paul. And the more intelligence you get, what happened is the greater capacity you have for God to use you in different areas. Now, here's the problem with education. Most often when people, men and women, get too much education, they get so educated they leave God and follow their education because now they know more than God. So there's a balance. But there's not, it's very clear that when you have a certain ability to understand and take things in, God can use you. And it's this ability, um, the special ability, where he used very intelligent men. Another man like that was Daniel. But that ability, here we go, is the ability to interpret dreams. Very interesting. See, when you talk about interpreting dreams now in this day and age, it's like, yeah, right, give me a break. There you go. Because, you know, in America, we're just so smart. We don't need dreams. We can watch TV. We want to laugh, we can look at Trump. I mean, we, we, don't, we have all this other stuff. But when we talk about a special ability to interpret dreams, and it's clear that these two guys, Joseph and Daniel, had a special ability. They had an extra capacity. As a matter of fact, turn to Daniel 5.11. And it says there, there is a man in your kingdom, Daniel 5.11, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, made him chief. Now check out, here's Daniel, very smart guy. He loved the Lord. And he became the chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent, excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams 
explain riddles, and here's the key, and solve problems. So when God gives you this special, it's not just an ability to interpret dreams because oh, you're, you have this, you're uh, some kind of mystic. No, 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 no. You're not Cladam, uh, what's that one, Madam Cleo. You're not that. No, we're not talking about That's a bunch of baloney. We're talking about a very intelligent man. Daniel was a cupboard bearer to the king. Joseph rose up to be second commander of Pharaoh. These were like, like prime ministers, leaders of countries. These were very smart guys. And God gave them these abilities. Why? And here's the key. Because they could interpret things. They can explain riddles. And more importantly, they had an ability to solve problems. See, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, Problems come, you know, like we said earlier, problems come. But when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you know how to solve them. So when you're always asking for help, asking for help, asking for help, you're so, you're so dependent on man, and you're always looking for man to solve your problem. Let me tell, let me tell you in on a little story, or a sad truth. Man can solve your problems. Huh? If you don't find and get a hold of God and be led by the Holy Spirit, your problem will take care of you. So, but when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're truly led. You gain understanding. Now, if you get more educated and you stay humble before God, God will give you the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. There's nothing like a, a problem solver. Man, one thing I can't stand is a leader who comes to me and gives me all the problems. It's like, I got to get rid of this one. Why? Because, man, you're there. You should be a problem solver. I thought you knew God. I thought you were following Jesus. I thought you were filled with the Holy Ghost. Solve the problem. Ah, but most people get like, get like, whoa, whoa, pastor, why are you so mean? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to teach you how to get a hold of God. Oh, you can look for counsel, throw ideas off. But listen, my friend, you need to ask God to fill you with his power and begin solving your problems. Here, Daniel, he's over magicians. Now, the magicians were a class of Persian priests. Not just like these magic tricks where you say, oh, I'll take a rabbit over my hat. That's not, I'm, we're not talking about that. That's, that's magic, but it's, it's superficial magic. It's not real magic what, what the Bible talks about. The magic here was said to be manipulative and coercive. In other words, they would be able to get things from you without you knowing it, or maybe you, even, you knew it, but they would do it. It was magic. How they t- how they get my money? How they do this? It, it, it was ability, an ability to do something to you, take away from you, right? Then you have enchanters. He listened. An enchanter was one who cast spells. They all signify a charmer or one who casts spells. Now I get, oh, here we go, cast spells. Like I said, I'll say it again. My upbringing, my mother was a witch, and she cast spells on many people, and I see them come to pass. There is a spiritual dynamic where if you're not careful, and let me back up. If you know God, you feel the Holy Ghost, no spells can hurt, hurt you. But if you're faking the funk, you're faking a fraud and a full-time broad coming to church, and somebody wants to cast a spell on you, it will get you. Simple. It's not, not, not that difficult. But I don't want to get deep with that. We're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, not enchanters. Then they had Chaldeans. Chaldeans were interesting because Chaldeans were a Cushite people. Cushite meaning from Ethiopia. Ethiopia meaning the, that tribe was black. So you had the Cushite people, and they were not only priests, but they were a learned class. In fact, these Cushite people from that part of Ethiopia created some of the first known universities. They would gather together and bring all their knowledge of 
magic, enchantment, astrology, sciences. They were bringing together from, from, the, from Ethiopia, and they ended up here in the land of the Chaldeans, and they were called Chaldeans, and they are very learned people. Then you had astrologers. The ancient Babylonian tradition, which influenced Greek, Egypt, and the Near East, and India, it was called this, before we call it astrology, celestial omina, which means omens, rather than astrology. So in other words, they had the ability to look at the stars and see omens. A very classic example of these people from the land of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, astrologers, is when they've seen the star over Bethlehem, and it was an omen to them. Once they seen their star, they traveled from, which was in probably modern-day Iran, they traveled from Iran, or rather Iraq, all the way to Bethlehem just to see the birth of Jesus because of the omen, the star. To this day, people can read stars. And I'm not talking about, you know, float, float on, cancer, and my name is Larry. That's a bunch of junk. And we're not talking about that. That's not astrology. That is more manipulation. You would actually put that more in, in the magic term, right? Because they try to manipulate your actions by some stupid newspaper. And you're reading, you know, cancer, Taurus, Aries. No, we're not talking about that. I, I said all that so you understand what God can do in a person's life. Jo Joseph and Daniel were men with exceptional ability, filled with divine knowledge and understanding. They could interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve problems. They, be, they rose again to the second highest level in their kingdom, in their country, over millions of people. See, when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, even unbelievers will know the difference. So it's hard for me as a pastor, and I get frustrated, I get frustrated, when I see people coming in and they tell me they love Jesus, they tell me they're following God, but I, I can't see evidence of it. You know how frustrating that is? It's very frustrating. Why? Not because for any other reason, but this, you have access to something so great if you would only follow God fully. If you'd only put everything aside and, and follow them, everything you could ever think you can begin to deduce and think, solve riddles, solve problems, all on your own, if you would only follow God fully. Ah, but what we do, we come to church, we play church, and we don't follow God fully. And we're always trapped. You know what traps you? Your problems. You're always, you know, I know some people, man, you're probably, man, you're always going through something. My goodness, your middle name should be drama. Change your name to drama. Drama here, drama there, drama everywhere. Come on, quit being a drama queen or king and start following God and solve some problems. Gotta fall. Then when you start doing it, you, you get one in your belt like, well, that's pretty good. How'd you figure that out? I don't know, man. I was just, I, I just know I gave my life to the Lord. I've been praying and, and I, I just seen him. How'd you see? It? I don't know how I've seen it. I just seen it. And I knew if I did this and did this and did this, it would happen. Well, what happened? It, my friend, when you start doing that and it begins to be a habit, now you're following God. Now, you know, I, I don't, you have a problem, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But listen, I can't solve your problem. I could talk to you and, you know, hug you and weep with you. But listen, you got you to tighten up your own bootstrap and face your problem and go solve it. And the only way to do that with confidence is when you begin to follow God fully. If you don't, you'll just be frustrated. Just follow God fully. There's your answer. I, just, I done solved, my goodness, right before your eyes. I done solved all your problems. All you got to do is follow God fully.
If you don't, then you're going to have problems and not be able to do anything about it for the rest of your life. Oh, until you die. Then your problems are solved. You're dead. Amen? Oh, my. See, when the Holy Spirit moves in your life, unbelievers know the difference. Just as Joseph was promoted to become prime minister of Egypt, the Pharaoh knew the difference. And Daniel was made overseer of the king's most learned men. The king knew a difference. The Holy Spirit present in our lives will open doors for greater service for God and men. When you're following holy, fully, completely. See, some call, call it God's anointing, right? But it's more than that. So you need to ask God to fill you with his power. Pray that even those who don't recognize Jesus as Savior may see the difference the Holy Spirit is making in your life. Pray that. Because it's not just an anointing. The Bible regularly calls it the oil. You ever heard that term when you're reading the Bible, oil? In 1 Samuel 6, 13, it reads like this. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is it the same? Then where is the people anointed? Or let me say like this, where are the people anointed with oil? Where are they? Are they caught up with other things, perhaps? Where are the people anointed with oil? Really anointed. Not just church members come to church and come to the door. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people filled with the anointing of God that walk in power. When you walk down the street, everybody that comes near you is at risk. Everybody that comes near you is at risk of, get, of getting to know the maker because you're anointed with oil and power. Where are the, where are the people at like that? So that's the kind of people we need to be. Not just people just sucked up and consumed by our, pow- our problems, our situations, our issues. My, they're going to still be there, but you might as well have some power and get something done. So that's the anointing we're talking about. See here, once the Lord rejected King Saul, a new ruler had to be found. And so Saul began to look, and he goes to, 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 Jesus, uh, to Bethlehem, to Jesse of Bethlehem. In his town, and he finds his sons. One by one, Jesse had seven sons, and he brings them before Samuel. Each time the Lord told Samuel, not this one. He went on and on, and David, he goes, this is the one. This one who's out in the field tending my sheep, who's working, who's doing something. He said, this one who's working and doing something. This is the one I'm going to anoint. The Lord said, he's the one. Samuel anointed him with oil. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Has the Spirit of the Lord ever came upon you? You know, I met people that have been in church 20 years, and they've never felt the power of God fall upon their life. In fact, they've been there so long, they've got all their theology and, 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 and academically excluded that activity from their life. They say, oh, that just doesn't happen again. It doesn't happen anymore. The oil that he's talking about with David, that just doesn't happen no more. Malarkey. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It happens. What doesn't happen, what, what is harder to happen nowadays is people who are willing to give their life completely to God. Oh, they give a little bit, but I got a little something, something back here for me. 
That's not going to get you the anointing. You got to give it all. And you know people, real simple. When you start talking about money, you know you tithe and offerings, those kind of people don't like it. Listen, if that's you, you don't know God. Because that's part of, that is all part of the disciplines we need to grow in Christ. Why? Because money is a cruel taskmaster. And Jesus is clear, you cannot serve God and money. Because you'll love the one and hate the other. You'll despise the one and hate the other, right? You can't have both. So what is God? God uses that as a teaching tool for us to show us who is really in charge. And for most people in this country and throughout the world, money's in charge. That dollar. Dollar, dollar, make you want to holler. Hmm? No. See, oil is familiar biblical symbol in the, of the Holy Spirit. And the Old Testament priests and kings were anointed with it. The oil set them apart for God's service. Does anybody want to be set apart for God's service? See, if you want to be set apart, really, first begin, okay, God, just do whatever you got to do. But you don't know what he's going to do. Good. That's even better. Because that's where faith comes in. Do what you're going to do. Whatever it is. Now when you come to that point, now you're in step one, we're getting ready for oil. But it'll take you a good 10 years, 20 years maybe. It's not going to be like, oh, I, I want the oil, I'll get it tomorrow. No, 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 don't work that way. When, when Paul, I'm getting off my notes, but it's okay, I'm almost done. When Paul got knocked off his horse, remember that story? He's on his way to Damascus, riding his horse. He's on his high horse. I'm going to kill me some Christians. I'm going to lock them up. He's on his way. Boom, 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 boom. Right, he's looking from all over the place. All the Christians were afraid. Here comes Paul, right? Well, I'm going to get these. And that's all his, his whole life work was to get Christians, lock them up. Right? On the Damascus road, he gets knocked off. The Spirit of God knocked him off. Now, you would think he's ready. No. What happened is, now that he got knocked off his high horse, because he had such a big mouth and he was very educated. God said, now i got to teach you how to shut up. And so he sends Paul to Lodabar for 15 years. Lodabar, Arabia. He just got him out of the picture. He had to get him out of the picture because if you read the story, they had to, they had to drop him over the wall because the, the people in Jerusalem were going to kill him because he, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. He thought he could just steamroll everybody. You better get saved. You don't get saved. And he would just argue with people and get them mad. We're not called to argue and get people mad. No, no. When you're under the anointing, you ain't got to do that. Right? So anyway, he got like that. So God said, I got to get him out of here. He gets him out for 15 years. Then he brings him back. See, that's a misconception. Some people say, today, you're going to get filled with touch with the oil. You're going to get anointed. I did it. And then you think that tomorrow you're ready to go. No, man, you got to go to low the bar. You got to learn something. You got to learn how to be humble. You got to learn how to, how to submit. You got to learn how to follow orders. Paul didn't know any of that. But when he finally came back, when they went to go look for Paul in Lodabar, they sent some men to go look for Lodabar, and guess what happened? They couldn't find him. 